Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. We are so glad that you are here with us on Results Train. You might be wondering, this this is not Sarah. What? What? We have our very first guest <laughs> on Results Train, and I'm so excited. It is the Jody Bach. You're so sweet. Ow, I just still just laughing at that. <laughs> so I okay, so yeah, let's let's catch them up to what <laughs> happened milliseconds before we I went live. I don't even remember it. So I just said something. Okay, so here everybody who's watching, I said, simple, simple Simon. And she went, And what? I went, what? And I said, yeah, simple Simon Metapiman. And I went, what? <laughs> Going to the fair. And, and I went, what? <laughs> I don't even remember anything else. So it's from my, I don't know. I don't, it's a little like nursery rhyme or something. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. <laughs> Partly because isn't this just the way it goes? Yeah. Like there's so many things that we know mm -hmm. that we say and other people don't know. Yeah. Uh, yesterday during a <laughs> meeting, we're talking about our website for core counts. And one of the things we were talking about is this culture tracking survey we um, can send out. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, I really want to always say, set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. Like the Ronco ad right, from right, back, right, back in the day. Like, right. Of course. And we work with incredible young people. <laughs> and oh. Um, they maybe were like, as Casey, one of uh, one of our marketing and salespeople was like, he's all about it. Ronco, set it and forget it. And we had to pull up the Ronco infomercial. And then it went on to talking about, like we started talking about how, you know, when I was babysitting as a little girl and at a certain time of night, TV would shut, shut off. off. And what? It was like, what? There's not TV 24 hours a day. And they play the like the Star Spangled Banner. Yes, I mean, it'd, be like, it'd be over. Yep, like the flag yes. would just blow, and it would be the Star Spangled Banner, or it would be static. Yeah, like you were just it's that done. little um, color bar thing, and it would be like yes, yes, or like the testing or the yeah. ads that people would buy. Okay, on, let's like, stop talking about people. Oh, I'm older than you, so oh, let's stop it was about so that. much fun. We. Like Casey and it, we were just dying. So yeah, yeah. I love that we had it again this <laughs> yes. morning because so often, I mean, just in real life, we think people yeah. are knowing what we're right, talking right. about, and right, it made tons of assumptions. Tons of assumptions. And and I I've been told <laughs> assume nothing because it makes uh yeah yeah yep a s s out of mm -hmm. you and me yep. But I I think I make assumptions. We need to make assumptions, and the one I will tell you that the one if we ever make any assumptions, assume positive, positive intent. Oh, yes. Always assume positive intent because people are doing the best they can with what they what know. They have. Absolutely. And do you think, I mean, honestly I asking, you oh, yeah, thanks. Um, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're I, do you think it is natural to assume positive intent? Mm -hmm. Do you think it's like, and maybe for certain people it's natural, but do you think I typically don't, I it don't is? I think so. I kind of don't I either. Don't. I think because I think we've been programmed to find what's wrong. Yeah, and like it, neurologically yes. and biologically, uh -huh. not, not no shame, no blame, nothing right. wrong with anyone. Mm -hmm. We're programmed mm -hmm. to find things that are wrong to keep us safe. Right. Yeah. Correct. So to assume positive intent almost is a new. It's a mm -hmm. mindset shift. Mm -hmm. An unnatural mm -hmm. thing. I would you say? So. I would say because you don't say. What's right today? Oh you my go, gosh. Like, yeah. That's what we do. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with the world? What's wrong? Yes. That's what we're conditioned to say because we're problem solvers and fixers. 
Yes. The way I get my value is to help you, fix you, you know, give you something. And then that implies that I have to find a problem so that I can solve it. And provide value uh -huh. to you. It's the only way I'm valuable. Wow. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's natural. I, yeah, I mean, it just, it's real and really keeping that front of mind and maybe even acknowledging sometimes when, holy moly, I think I just went into problem solving mode. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. I, I was not assuming positive intent. I was thinking about what was wrong mm -hmm. and not you know, being helpful in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Try, like in a control, first in a controlling way rather than in in abundance way. Mm -hmm. I I think too because we pride ourselves on being problem solvers, mm. we're also fixers. Yeah. Right. Oh, that chair. The leg on that chair is broken. Let me fix it. Mm -hmm. Which then puts it back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. Which is not necessarily the best for it. When we fix ourselves, fix things, we put it back to what was. Ooh. Instead of allowing us to live into a new understanding, which in your to your point about abundance, adds to, doesn't put uh, back. Wow. Right? Yeah. So I I, I think fixing, hmm, who says I know how to fix you or fix that or fix anything? Right. So what is the what's the shift in mindset in it? in approaching mm -hmm. uh, to get out of that natural tendency of fixing, mm -hmm. what do you think is a way we can keep that top of mind and intentional on shifting to allow? Mm -hmm. What's a practice we can do? Well, in simple terms, I'm an English, I always say this, I'm an English major, so I have to apologize for my grammar sometimes because I love grammar and I love words. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes if I feel like I have to tell somebody something, like you need to do this, okay. I will fix you and tell you because I am right. Sure. So I, I make statements and declarations. Okay. What if instead I could make suggestions, invitations, and questions? Hmm. And by asking a question like, well, what would you prefer instead? Or what, what do you think is most important hmm. for you? And as I'm asking you those questions, you're making the decision, not me. That Allowing. Takes, yes. And that takes the pressure off me to be the fixer or the expert. Yeah, or right. Because then you won't have any reason to take accountability for your own um, your own decisions because you'll say, well, Jody told me to. Yeah. The outcome is no longer something that I'm in control of. It's what you told me to do. Yep. And what I think Zero is Zero personal accountability right. there. As the boss or the leader or mm -hmm. the parent or whatever, I know better. Oh. And I'll take care of you. Yep. And how often we do just kind of switch into that role. And when we do that as bosses or leaders or parents or what have you, we don't give that person that opportunity to grow. And then they keep coming back to us yes. to solve the problem. Yes. Well, because Ooh. that's what I do. I'm a problem solver. Yep. Come to me. I'm best. That's where I get my validation. Mm -hmm. It's how I know I'm useful. Yep. I can solve your problems. But what happens is, a lot of times, not always, sure. I'm not solving my own problems. Yes. My own stuff, my own, you know, whatever I could be working on because I'm so, I'm, yeah, it's all about you. Now, I was raised that it's all about the other person, Jody. It's never about you. So you make sure you're there to serve. Now, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But if I'm always there to serve and please and problem solve and fix, there's no time for me. Right. And there's no healing mm -hmm. for you then. And is there really a possibility for you to show up as your best right. self 
when you're constantly making it about somebody else. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying, this sounds weird because it sounds, you might hear, well that's really selfish Jody. to think about yourself only. I get it, but it, you know, oxygen mask. I wish we had a better, better yes. story. Yep. We all know that if you're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down and you don't put yours on first, you'll suffocate and then nobody will live. I yep. mean, that's the whole idea, right? Put your oxygen mask on you first. Well, okay. I want a new analogy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I have to take care of me first mm -hmm. because otherwise I'm giving from an empty well. Yes. Right? Yep. And I'm faking it and I'm trying and I'm pushing and I'm ma making is such an icky thing, I think. I'm making it happen. I'm forcing it yeah. to. There's something about that forcing and continual pushing where resistant, like anytime mm -hmm. we're forcing something, there tends to be resistance. But if we move together mm -hmm. and create that space to let things bubble up naturally, yes. that feels totally different. And it takes a whole lot of... Um, faith I guess mm. until you've experienced it because you have to trust that that could work no I've been programmed that I have to push and make and force and do because that's the only way I get results is to push and make and force and do mm -hmm. but what if we were talking earlier what if it were easy what if yeah. it were easy yep what if, simple Simon I'm just Sim I, that's exactly right <laughs> what if it were a simple Simon Wait a second, it can't be simple. Isn't that the way it goes? It can't be that mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. But what if it were? I know, I know. What, what if? if it were? We don't allow ourselves that space to go, what if it were? Because taking a step back from making, doing, and pushing, and forcing means that I'm not working. I'm like, ooh. Wait a second, let me just think about that for a second. We can't. Because we're so, well, maybe maybe you guys who are younger here have, have not had this happen to you yet, but in my generation, it was all about hard work. Yes. And you got results based on what you put in. Absolutely. And so we can't allow things to, to join us in that venture because I'm not charged. Mm -hmm. What if I'm not in control? What if something happens outside of my control that could be even better? Oh, I can't even go there. Because that would mean that I'm, then why do you need me? All mm. these stories that we make up in our heads about things that probably aren't even true. Yeah. And then assign our worth to them. Yes, yes. And so if, oh, if there's, if we assign our worth to that, to that fixing, to the hard work, to all the things, and then all of a sudden we try to open and allow, mm. who are we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Jody? Who is Melissa? Who is anyone if we're not that thing, that hard work? that thing we're doing, the problems we're solving. Oh, what could we be? Right, and that piece, that problem solver, all of that was probably put there by somebody else mm -hmm. who was being that for you, right? They were showing you the way to go and then they were modeling the behavior. And so it's just this generational thing that keeps happening because I grew up. You've heard the story about the, the roast. In the, yes, right? and you cut off the ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I don't know if everyone knows okay. it, so why don't you tell okay, so get everyone else This up. old story yeah. about a, a young bride. She and her husband are having the in-laws over for dinner, and she gets a roast, and she cuts off the ends and puts it in the pan and puts it in the oven. And the husband, the new husband, says, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And she goes, I don't know. My mom did it. So they said, well, mom's going to be here in a second. Let's ask her. So mom gets there for dinner. Mom. Why, why did we cut the ends off the roast before we put it in the pan? She goes, I don't know, because my mom did it. So they call grandma and they say, grandma, will you tell us why you cut the ends off the roast? She goes, because my pot was too small. My pan was too small, the roast didn't fit. And they're like, oh, oh. 
nobody asked. Yeah, we just we just doing. repeat. Yeah, yes. we see how other people around us are behaving. Mm -hmm. That becomes the lens through which we view the world, and that decision-making process on why we do what we do, without pausing to ask why we haven't asked. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there's a supposed to, there's a should, mm -hmm. you know, we should all over ourselves. Oh, we and, do should all over ourselves. And, and everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because we just haven't stopped to say, huh, why are we cutting the answer? I don't know. Why yeah. are we? Does it make sense to do that anymore? Huh. Oh, we've got a bigger pan. It right. doesn't. Let's not throw that food away. And, yeah. But, you know, if I went, <clears throat> interesting, I've been yeah. How do I do that? How do I admit that there's something that could be better than what I've been doing? Oh my goodness. One thing that came up for me as you were sharing that is how when someone asks why, why can be a trigger for defense Yes. and for ego. And so in my mind, when you were, when you said, why are we doing something? It becomes about justification. Yes. Here's and how I, do we open ourselves well, to removing that ego and that defense? Here's what I've learned about that okay. recently. So the question why, if, if you remember Simon Sinek, if anybody's familiar with his videos, he talks about how we have to get to the why. Yeah, Hold start with right. why. Mm -hmm. But the question why, or the word why, W-H-Y, yep. triggers a part of our brain that doesn't have language. I've never heard this before. So if somebody says, why did you buy that car? You're like, I don't know, it just felt right. It felt, I liked it, it felt good. Because why is that place in your brain that's like, oh my gosh, I have to have an answer, I have yeah. to justify, I have to figure it out. So we need to get to why, but not by asking why. Okay, weird? yes it is. So don't ask, why did you do that? Ask, what was it about that that had you take that action? What was it about it? Because what leads to a part that has language? Wow. I know, right? Like, obviously, you just shared something with me I've never mm -hmm. heard before, and it's got, like, that's impactful. Mm -hmm. Because I think about how many conversations as leaders we have or sometimes as someone else coming new to the room mm -hmm. and we say you know as a new hire or what have you and you say okay why do we do it this way mm -hmm. or why this and it's all of a sudden that just uh-huh yep ah! because we because we don't have language yeah, right panic. so we have to go um um be because I'm the oh, boss, because yeah. I'm the mom, because don't ask, you know, yeah. and it's nobody's Our fault. brain flips. For sure. Have you ever seen this part of like the brain analogy like yeah, this? Yeah. Like when you flip your lid, mm -hmm. you can't think anymore. Your prefrontal cortex goes, goes away. away. Now you're thinking with your amygdala. Yes. And ah! Yes, that's the fight or flight. And yeah. it's survival. Yeah. We go into our animal brain and we lose our human capacity when we do that. Yeah. And why, without meaning to, does that? Yeah. Wow. So what have you found? Good catch. <laughs> what have you found to be impactful for you when you notice that you've been triggered by a why to get out of the amygdala, that fight or flight mode, and get back into the moment so, so that you can be present in the conversation? Yeah, you, I, I noticed um, chest breathing. Oh. And I notice my shoulders, I notice my jaw. Interesting. So, and this is a lot of noticing over time. Yes. And I notice this, and then I go, okay, breathe. I have to breathe because breathing. A lot. Yeah, okay, good. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought about that, but yes, that would be good. I do this, I'm taking a class right now where he talks about feeling the fingertip ridges. Uh, and you do instantly. Under the table. Okay. You can do yeah. it while you're not standing. Well, you can, but it's a, 
Hello, let me, I'm, I'm panicking a little bit here. Yeah, let me, just do this. Let me get present. No, I go under the table okay. and I can go, oh yeah, that's right. And as I feel the fingertip ridges, it causes me to breathe. And mm. breathing puts you back, or at least puts me back into the um, thinking part, the neocortex. The, yeah. the, the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex. Yeah. yeah. Whichever cortex. Yeah, yeah. One of those cortexes. Yeah. It puts me back there. Anyway, it causes oh. me to go from shallow, you know, this to, oh yeah, that's right, okay, okay. And just in that moment, um, a box breathing is another yes. technique I've used yeah. um, with Brene Brown. Yeah. And um, one, two, three, mm -hmm. four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Yeah. And that will, uh, at least for me, bring me out of that panic and reaction back into response, which is com coming from thinking. Oh, that's amazing. But it's noticing. We have to notice. And yeah. by the time I've noticed, sometimes I'm in it. You know, I'm already right. in this. And it's this this posture and this, you know, feeling that. I have to defend, which right. is going back into yeah, in the, the you tighten tight. up, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just the remember, remember, relax. One of the things that a dear friend and mentor pointed out to me is he could always tell when I was switched into that moment. So now I'm I'm giving you guys the cue <laughs> on when I'm in that moment, partly because it was great that he noticed so that I noticed because I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then he also, it also gave him that opportunity to, you know, be, help me center. Mm. My cheekbones get tighter. Really? Yep. Like he notices, he would notice my cheekbones would get more pronounced. What? Wow. He was observant. Oh, he was, he is <laughs> remarkable. Nice. And so, and now I notice since he pointed that out, not only do they get like lifted, mm -hmm. I wish I could maybe have mm -hmm. that naturally, <laughs> but it gets tight under here, almost like I have something sour mm. in my mouth. And so when I have that feeling right here, that's my, okay. Yeah. And you know, sometimes this is not natural for people to see right. in a meeting, but no one notices, you know, yeah. things like this. Right. So it's, right. it is that noticing and maybe also going back to someone later on and saying, I realized that I got, there was something that just put me on the defense and I'm really sorry I wasn't there. Yeah. I went to a different place and I've had time. And this is, this is what, this is the real answer. Yeah, that's really good. And don't be afraid to do that. <clears throat> Oh gosh. Go back. I mean, people appreciate authenticity. Brene Brown tells us. Yes. We don't connect with perceived perfection. We can, she says. Yeah. We connect with authenticity and vulnerability. So true connection doesn't happen out of perceived perfection. No. I mean, there there is a, gosh, a Harvard Business Review white paper or something that talks about how people would rather work with the, um, like funny fool that's not exactly right than the confident or the the perfectionist jerk yes and isn't that so true like we all, we would rather work with people who make mistakes and are real and want to work and get things done than someone who's always right all the time yeah so yeah show up let them always know. right all the time is a lie anyway but, yeah right yes oh i love this if anything thinking and having that tool of going from why are you doing this to asking what huge takeaway so let's see how we can incorporate that into our day and jody thank you You're so welcome. much for being here this was fantastic and you learned simple simon i did learn simple simon <laughs> go have a great day you guys bye everybody